listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, church. How many excited about our series called Family Matters? Yeah, it's been pretty cool, yeah? Uh, that series, by the way, is going to help you to deal with your sister-in-law who's full of drama, your parents that are telling you how to raise your kids, all of it. Uh, it's going to be a great series. You don't want to miss it. Definitely a plus one weekend. Today is the last part, I can hardly believe it, of Made for More. We've been on a seven-week journey all about purpose, the fact that God has purpose and a plan and a call on all of our lives. And today's going to be a big day. Uh, we're going to be putting a bow on all of this made for more content, and we're going to be giving you some practical things. We heard last week about how God has made us for a mission. I want to talk about your mission as an individual today, and I think you will see that in Living Color. Uh, and then we're going to also be answering the question, now what? And giving you some, some kind of uh, ability to take next steps, ability to be able to see what God has beyond just the series. I don't want to leave you on a cliff. We're also going to be celebrating some of the great things that God has done, yes, during Made for More, but also in the past 12 months here at the church. Uh, as you know, God has really moved in the life of New Chapel. And so we have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, I did get out on time for service, so those of you that know how to pray, keep praying. But uh, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. I want to give you some background on what I'm going to read in just a second. Paul, uh, he's one of the early church leaders. The Apostle Paul is writing most of the New Testament, by the way, but he's writing this letter to the church that's in Ephesus, the Ephesian church. And he's dictating this letter to one of his disciples, his protege. And as he's dictating this letter, he gets excited. In fact, several times in the book of Ephesians, he breaks out into excitement and prayer. And thank God that disciple kept on taking dictation. And we have a record of how the apostle Paul prayed. He was caught up into the third heaven. And Jesus Christ himself gave him revelation. He gave him revelation about the church, about the ages to come, and especially revelation about the saints. That's you and I. This is what he prays in Ephesians 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 15. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Stop for just one second. Everybody look at me. So in other words, it's like since you got saved, since you plugged into a life-giving church and you're loving everybody and you're getting along. Like, so as soon as that's happened, right? I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge. And pause, everybody look at me. Paul's praying that you get revelation. How many fingers am I holding up? Well, it's so much easier if I just show you. That's what revelation is. It's not some deep, spooky theme in the Bible. It's just God revealing something to you. He says, says, I'm praying that you get this. I want you to see what he's already revealed. The spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. He wants you to see it. That you may know, everybody say no. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power usward who believe? That's been my prayer 
this entire seven-week series, and even before spiritually preparing for Made for More, is that you would have this revelation moment that you would get it. And if it was not a moment that we would give you the tools, that you could take the tools out of the tool chest and mine out purpose, that you would begin to see God's plan for your life. And I desire it so strongly for you. And yet, at the same time, I'm aware that there's people that have sat through all or, or, or most of these messages and you still have pretty significant questions about God's call for your life. Questions like, how will I know my calling? How will I know it's me? What's God's will for my life? How do I make a difference? Yeah, we're made for mission. What's my mission? And you'll see people on social media, and you'll compare the best of their life to the worst of your life, and it seems like you're jealous of their clarity. And I don't want you to feel that way. I want you to have absolute clarity about what God has called you to do and what he's called you to be in this world. And I think when we say calling and purpose and God's will for your life, we think that it's going to be this thunderous voice from heaven that you're going to hear audibly with your ears, and it's going to say, move to Africa, and you're going to be like, okay, I'll do it, which would be so much easier if he said made for Florida, but that's another message altogether for different reasons, <laughs> but you think that you're going to hear something, and it's going to be demonstrative, and you're going to know, and I will tell you, those moments happen. I had one of those moments when I was 18 years old. I was at an altar at my church, and I was praying, and I was worshiping the Lord, and, and we were singing that old Big Daddy Weave song. There's a lyric, there's a place where religion finally dies, and I saw it. It was like from the back, I could see myself preaching the gospel, and there was faces, and as far as the light would go, the faces went, and I was preaching, and, and, and what would take me hours to convey to you, God ministered to me in a moment. I got to plant a church that plants churches. I got I got to do something for God. Gave up scholarships to CMU, a full ride to Kendall College as a legacy scholarship. Gave it all up. It was so easy because I had that moment with God, and I treasure those moments. But I think when some people in the room hear about preacher boy having this moment with God, and you're seeing visions and stuff, I lose some of you because you've never had that. I will say I've never heard his voice audibly. I've heard it much louder than that. But at the same time, I want to speak to the people that are maybe struggling to land on, is this the thing? I remember, so that was 18-year-old Joe. This is 18-year-old Kaya. I remember laboring through this college catalog of majors from Grand Valley State University with Kaya. And, and we're going through, what about this? This would really fit. It was like, no, no. I don't know. I don't see myself. And we finally get to the end. She's like, well, what else is that? I said, we went through the entire catalog of majors. And you say none of it works. I think they cover a lot of bases. And, and some of you feel like that. And it makes you almost feel like the dunce in the room. But listen, don't. Because God wants to speak to you differently than he spoke to me, but just as sure just as affirmatively, so you can know what's going on. Other people altogether, they'll use the excuse of, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord, is an excuse for inactivity. They know what God called them to do, and they're sitting on their hands. I want to help you as well. That's why we did not start Made for More with answering the question, what is God's personal purpose for your life? We didn't answer it 
at first because we needed to, to, to really start with what is God's purpose on earth? What is he trying to accomplish? It's really problematic if we start getting gr- like grassroots level, like, like in a granular way, focusing on your call when you don't know what the prevailing call is. And we brought out God's five purposes for every Christian in living color. In fact, guys, throw up that slide. I want to just go over these so we all know we have it in front of us. Your first purpose is that you're planned for God's pleasure, that you're to be in relationship with him. The word there is worship. The second purpose that God has for every person's life is that you're formed for God's family, that there are no free agent Christians out doing their own thing. No, Jesus died to build a people the gathering of the saints together. It's not a building, but it is a people, and it's his church. The word is fellowship. The third purpose is that you were created to become like Christ, that God will accept you wherever you're at, in whatever condition, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you where you're at, and so he wants you to become more like him and learn the disciplines of the faith. That's the root word of discipleship is discipline. Uh, purpose number four, you're shaped for serving God, that we serve God how? By serving other people, and the Bible word there is ministry, and the fifth purpose, we brought it out last week, is that you're made for mission, that, that it's not just that you're supposed to serve others, but serve others to an end which is to share that good news about what God did in your life so we can see this this whole Christian movement not stop with us. And that is the Bible word, evangelism. You needed to know the five prevailing general purposes for every Christian before you're even going to value what your personal, direct, individual purpose from God is. Say amen, somebody. We worked hard to help you see this, and I haven't articulated it as much, but I think it's going to come out today. Write this down. Our purpose is to partner with God. That's the idea. It's not about God partnering with you. God's behind you. How about this? I'm going to get out in front of what God's already blessing, and then I can say, that, hey, God's behind me because I know I'm in the right track. Does that make sense, everybody? And so I want to help you today to to not think of our activity in the world, to not think of our work as autonomous, but as a partnership with the divine. It's something that we're taking the step to carry out his purposes here on earth. When we fix on the fact that we're called to actively partner with him in taking this world somewhere, it prepares our hearts for the specific and personal call that he has. So... How do we take this expansive call of God, these five big themes, and boil it down to what he has called you to do, to run this race individually? Well, I'm glad you asked. People ask the question, where do I fit in? What's my personal specific purpose and calling? They say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Friend, look at me. God knows. And he says as much in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He always prefaces it with that. Have you ever noticed that? This isn't going to hurt you. It's going to feel risky to you, but it's not. Plans to give you hope and a future. How are you going to have hope in the future if you don't know what it is? He has the plans. It's not a mystery to him, and he wants to reveal his great plan for your life. He knows. Say amen, somebody. Now, he wants to work with many of us in the room who have not had that, that light bulb moment, that, that moment with God, and he wants to reveal purpose, direction, and calling and help you to mine it out. This scripture is really going to help you. Proverbs 25, 2. 
It's God's privilege to conceal things, and it's our privilege to discover them. You're not in the wrong because you didn't have the light bulb, the lightning bolt, the, the, the Sinai mountain moment where God Almighty spoke to you directly. It's okay. He's concealed it. And what he wants to do is relationally, listen to that, relationally, Jesus wants to mine out who he has called you to be and take you on that journey so you can actually see it. I think that for those people that haven't had the aha moment, you have to go on that journey or you'll never value the great call that God does have on your life. Can I hear an amen? Now, there are four clues I want to give you to the specific calling of God. I want you to write this down. Number one, spiritual gifts and natural abilities. If you want a clue towards discovering your personal purpose and calling, spiritual gifts and natural abilities. So, so they're, they're opposite. Uh, Some of this is spiritual. It's from God. It's God working his gifts through you. And on the other end, it's natural abilities. Maybe you were born with the ability to draw or sing or you're athletic or or you're good with numbers. And so it's a combination. But but looking at your abilities altogether, your gift set, it really is a huge indicator of purpose. What does it say in Romans 12? We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If I was to go out and go into the back of the room, and there's somebody in particular I'm thinking about, but I don't want to say her name because she would be mortified. But if I went back, let's just say it's Kaya's aunt, and I went and I said, do you want to come up here and preach the rest of the message? She'd probably throw up. I mean, it's just, oh my God, it was enough. She's like trying to, dis- you know how like Sherlock Holmes tries to disappear into the wallpaper? Finish Pastor Joe's message. You'd, you'd barf. But when I think about like talking to each and everybody individually, it can be overwhelming for me. You'll see Pastor Joe put his hands in his pockets and um, e, ooh, ah. Now, I'll, I'll talk to you, but y'all got to throw your pastor a bone because sometimes I'll say crazy stuff. You got to help me out while we're talking. But, but the idea is we have different gifts, different. If I told you, hey, I want you to go back and I want you to preach to those young people. I mean, I think about Jackie Rash. You're like, praise the Lord. Let's go get them. And another person back here is like, I got my own problems with my kids. <laughs> Why don't you go teach them, you know? Or I don't have patience for all that junk. They're crazy. People need to spank their kids. Hallelujah, you know? Different gifts, right? Different gifts. And so we have to respect these different gifts, but also realize that you have a gift that's different. It's why I hate hunting with Blaine Davis, what a jerk. He shoots every pheasant. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're hunting next to him, you're like, oh, look, a pfft, and it's just feathers. Just... Now, that's a natural ability, and he's had to work that ability, but, but the whole idea is he has a gift that he's developed. In the Bible, what does Nehemiah have a gift of? Administration. Moses had a gift of leadership. Matthew had a gift of hospitality. Abraham had a gift of faith. Barnabas had a gift of encouragement. There's a lady in the New Testament. God bless her. Her name's Dorcas. You name your kid Dorcas. I will not dedicate your child to the Lord, male or female. I'm sorry. That's a weird name. Dorcas had a gift for serving. Not a gift for names, but she had a gift for serving. And so in the back of your book that I gave you, there's a little sheet that we put in there, and it has some different tests. Some of those little tests, there's websites there. Go to those different tests and take them. There's a spiritual giftings test. There's a motivational gifts test. There's a personality and ability test. Take those tests, do the work, 
and you'll begin to mine out what God has done already in your life. I'm going to post that as well on social media today. And so please do go on there, even share it. Because the idea is if you do this work, you're going to become more acquainted with who you are. Now, uh, I got to move on. Number two, write this down. Clues towards discovering your personal purpose and calling. Number two is your passion and your heart's desire. What are you passionate about? Passion is the great energizer. You don't have to rev up somebody who's already passionate about doing what they're doing and making a difference. Passion should be the thing that separates Christians from the rest of the crowd. And the question I want you to ask yourself, uh, maybe even ask your spouse, your small group, is what am I most passionate about? And be real with yourself. What, what turns you on? What if, if you could just do this thing, whatever it is, man, it would make it so you'd jump out of bed every morning. You'd be elated to do that one thing. What are you passionate about? And even more clarifying, I've said this before, but it's very, very profound. What are you, write it down, passionate for? But I also want to know, what are you passionate against? What grinds your gears? What are you like, no. It can't be that way. Maybe you hate how things are managed in your office place or at your job, and you just, you hate. It's like, man, these people can't lead their way out of a wet paper bag. Well, maybe that's God calling you to be somebody to take more responsibility in managing there. Maybe it's an indicator. Maybe it's pointing. Maybe you're outraged at the condition of public schools. Get in line. But maybe instead of sharing memes about it, you need to run for school board and take some initiative and some leadership there. Maybe instead of sharing all those memes on there, and I hesitate to even have a show of hands, but how many of us in the room have even gone to a school board meeting? They know they have free reign. And so what do we need to do? Maybe that thing that's so upsetting, how could they do that to the next generation? Maybe that's a call of God on your life. Maybe you're passionate about those that are affected by domestic violence, or maybe you're passionate about single moms or, or, or the plight of, of people that are being raised in poverty. Maybe you're upset that why in the world would they not carry three lanes on 131 up until past Howard City? I mean, it would solve so many of our problems in the city, and you're just, yeah, I'm looking for that person in the church to rise up and solve that in, in Jesus' name, but what are you passionate for? What are you passionate against? Because sometimes those things that just, mm, it can't be this way. Maybe that's a big indicator that you ought to do something about it. Now, there are times where passion doesn't line up with ability. So number one doesn't line up with number two. And I have two words to, to explain that. American Idol. <laughs> There's some people that go on that show. They have all the passion in the world. and They get up there, and I'm thinking, do you not have friends does anybody not love you enough to say, you are awful at singing and performing? You should wait table. I don't know. Okay, praise God. Got to move on. Number three, personality and personal values. Clues towards discovering your, your purpose and calling. What are they? Personality, the, the how you are and your personal values. Personality. Some of you have a great sense of humor. A great sense of humor. In fact, there's a couple of you in the room when I get around you. You're so funny that I just start laughing when I'm around you. And you might even be like coming down for pastoral care. And I'm just looking at you. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm waiting for you to say the funny. You're like, what? And I go, <laughs> you know. Anybody else have a friend like that? You just start laughing when you're around them. And so it's, then you have that other friend and they're super straight lace. How you doing? Yeah, I'm just really blessed. 
you know, did you get baptized in pickle juice? I mean, like, what, what happened to you? And tell your face, you know? And, and so we have different personality types, different temperaments. You can handle different things. Uh, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 13. We cannot oppose the truth. We always stand for the truth. So, so personal values. I am not trying to convey that there's like, well, there's your truth and, well, this is his truth. I'm not trying to say that. Here's what I'm trying to say. There is one truth. But amongst God's people, they emphasize different elements, different chunks, pieces of the truth. And so for you, it might be like, well, we got to reach people. we got to reach out. If we're not reaching out, we're dead. This church isn't just a country club. we got to get outside of these four walls. It's not us four and no more. Let's go reach somebody for Jesus. And then you'll talk to another person. They say, well, Pastor Joe, I'm all about feeding the hungry. We need to feed the hungry. There are people that are going hungry every night, and your compassion gift goes nuts, and you're like, we got to do something about it. You know, we got to feed the hungry. Then another person comes along, and they say, we, we need to focus on discipleship. Because we're not going to evangelize if we don't disciple the people that we have into becoming people who can go reach people for Jesus. And then there's other people, and many of us actually in the room, and, and you're like the unborn. We've got to do something about the unborn. I think it's helpful sometimes to acknowledge when we've had a rough week. We had this big win in the Supreme Court, and the carpet was ripped out from underneath us, and this, this ungodly, evil Proposition 3 passed. And I woke up the next day, and I'm like, God, what's going on? And he ministered to me. I want to tell you what he said. He said, I told you in the last days it would be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, does that mean that we don't advocate? Does that mean that we don't vote? Does that... No, listen, we're going to vote. We're going to advocate. We're, we're going to stand for those kids. As long as I have air in my lungs, I'll do everything I can do, as, as much as Joe Bevilacqua can do, to make it so it, it's hard to get an abortion in this world. But listen to me. It's not going to be a political victory. When I woke up, and let's all just assume everything's on the up and up, but it means that there are a lot of people in our state that went to the defense of it means that a lot of people think it's vital, that it's important, and that puts a bad taste in most of our mouths. But listen to me. Here's what's messy about it all. Instead of sharing memes, instead of being like, vote this way or vote, you're going to have to get messy and start a conversation with a young person and encourage them to not have an abortion. Kai and I, this year, had extensive conversations with somebody who got pregnant unexpectedly and had their baby and wrote us a letter and said, thank you for talking to me about this and talking to me through this. My baby is alive today. And this person had had two other, three other abortions in the past. The baby is alive today because you took the time to talk to me. And so the political victory, friend, it might just be like a political Sodom and Gomorrah. But as for me and my house, as for Western Michigan, as for my neighborhood and my county, that's the difference that I can make. And I plan on making it. We need to work to change hearts and to change minds. You know what the Lord said? If you change a heart and change a mind, you'll change everything all at once. You know, you know there's this like line in Amazing Grace, that old hymn. I don't know if anybody even knows it anymore, but it says, The hour I first believed. I'm telling you, when somebody gets turned on to God, all of those like peripheral decisions can just fall into line with God because you got their heart, and it's only God 
that can change a heart. And so, so what am I saying? These values, some things that we value stand out more than others. Lean into that. You need to write it down. Articulate your values. You need to understand your personality, how you are. Maybe you're a goofball. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Maybe you, you're recharged by solitude. Maybe you love to do the study work. These are all indicators to, to, to mine out, to see who God made you to be. And when you can articulate values and personality and how God's wired you, it helps you to see who he's made you to be and what he's called you to do. Last thing, number four, clues towards discovering personal purpose and calling. Write this one down experience, your past experience, and your background. Romans 8, talking about purpose. What does it say? All things work together, say it with me, work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. That God wants to use every piece of your background, your past, what you went through. He did not cause those negative things to happen or, or some of the heart-wrenching experiences that you had to go through or some of the horrible things that beset your family and, and held you back. He didn't cause them, but you better bet he's going to use all of them. It's the Bible word redeem, and he'll take the worst parts of our lives and junk. He'll pancake it all, and he'll use it for his glory. He wants to use your experiences, specifically your family background. What kind of family did you come from? I came from the apex of culture and civilization. I'm Italian. Thank you, God. And, and we're born handsome and artistic and humble. And, uh, and so... I'm playing, but you can imagine the type of family I grew up in, right? If I say Irish, we all know what that means, angry, okay? And so like, like <laughs> Polish, smart. <laughs> I'm bad. I'm, I'm being a goof, but you understand like your family background has a big uh, say in who you are today and how you look at this world. Your educational background. Some of y'all went to school for something and then never used it. You think it was wasted. Friend, with God, nothing's wasted. He'll use all of it. Training that you receive, whether you can sing, when your hip don't work, when you try to dance, <laughs> whether you can plan, whether you can manage. These things in your background and the experiences that you have, they're an indicator of God's calling on your life. When I was uh, uh, pretty young, I mean, 9, 10, 11, 12, my dad was in a 50s and 60s rock and roll band. And they played, you know, Buddy Holly and the Bid Bopper and, and some of those fun oldies. In fact, we play all that stuff at our parties, family parties. We love it. And, uh, he, but he also played some modern, for his time, stuff, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Come on, somebody. A uh, little bit of uh, Chicago. And, and he would do some of Elvis's latter stuff. And so I, I was raised on Friday and Saturday night. I mean, we were at big venues we were at the bar in Walhalla and at the Ramada Inn in Ludington and the Moose Club in Fremont, <laughs> the Sportsman's Bar in Croton, which is the middle of Timbuk3, which is just past Timbuk2, by the way. And so these big venues, you know, there'd be 30, 50 people there, and, and the band would, would take a break. And during their break, I would go up there, all nine years old of myself, and I would tell Corny probably no point to them jokes. Ace Ventura acting goofy, you know, just like putting on, right? And I did this for years of my life, okay? And there came this summer party, the guy that owned the Hesslake party store, he was this great deli guy, he had incredible uh, hunter sausage. Anyway, 
he was having this big party at his house. It was out on Peninsula Drive, and it has this little bay on Hess Lake. And uh, my dad's band was there, and they were on the, the boathouse, and they were playing out towards the water. And I was kind of scratching my head, like, why are we setting up playing there? The party's behind us. And there was a lot of people at that party, probably 80, 100 people. It was a big deal. Well, I did the same bit that I always did. My grandma was in vaudeville. It's a thing. And so I, I went up there, and I was a ham in front of everybody and, and, and did my shtick. When everything was said and done, this guy had these incredible floodlights that he popped on in order to clean up his yard after the party and so the band could get all their stuff. And when he popped on those floodlights, I could see out into the water, and there were hundreds of people out there. They had put their pontoons and roped them together. There were people, and I heard a little bit of something when I was up there, but you can't hear when you're on stage like you can if you're in the crowd. And I'm telling you, something in there just went, snap. And I'm not afraid of being in front of anybody. You can put me in front of the Super Bowl, and I will straight up give an altar call in Jesus' name. Like, I'm good. I'm good. But again, if I talked about you coming up, you might throw up. You see where this all kind of links together? You see, my past experiences really did point towards something. When I was in fifth grade, one more because I have time, I sang Frank Sinatra's My Way at our fifth grade graduation. You're welcome. Your pastor's got style. If nothing else, (laughs) your past experiences point towards your purpose. And here's the whole idea. The intersection of all of these things points towards calling. Put up that slide, guys. You can see background experience, passion, heart desire, personality and values, spiritual gifts, natural abilities. When they all come together, there's an overlap. And where that overlap is, that's where your calling lives, friend. That's where it is. It's not outside of that. And, and, and in that little dot, there's a lot of things you probably could do. And that's why I would say this. None of this is going to work unless you're honest with yourself. None of this is going to work unless you put it in front of people that really know you and love you and talk this through. A lot of this is spiritually discerned. And, and still in that little dot there, there's, again, a lot of things you could do. But you're going to know. And if you pray to God with an open heart and say, God, show me what it is, friend, he'll show you when you've done the work. And when you find that specific purpose, you'll be energized by it, have the capacity to develop it and use it, and you will be good at it. God has a mission for you. Do the work, do these little personality tests, write down some thoughts, and where they all blend together, friend, that is where your calling is. Can I hear an amen, church? Now, I got to move on. God has moved at New Chapel through Made for More, but God has also been moving in this church for the past year plus. And you don't have to look far. I mean, it's in the air. God is moving at New Chapel. We're growing. People are getting turned on to God here. It's incredible what God has done. And it's been because people in this church, way before we ever preached purpose, they were leaning into, they were sinking into their God-given purpose, and it has made so much of the difference. I just want to tell off on what God has done at this church. Maybe you want to get excited about some of this stuff, but uh, we've done more outreaches this year than we ever have. Just a couple of them. We had Serve Day in July, and we adopted a youth house, and Bridge Street Ministries needed some landscaping done, and we fundamentally pancaked it. We made it look incredible. We loved on uh, that facility and cleaned it and restored it to beauty for those young people. 
uh, you packed up a total of 200 packages for Operation Christmas Child that will go all to the uh, distant countries all over the world, and it will be paired with the gospel message to remote tribes in India and into the Orient and in the Philippines and into the Middle East. You sent 200. You think about a church our size and what a difference that makes. Wow. The Christmas outreach that we did some 12 months ago we had 200 gifts packed up, and we went to three different communities, three different trailer parks, and we blessed families because we had a feeling that there was going to be some modest Christmases because of some of the economic things that were happening. And we went there and blessed them. Just one story. There's a lot of stories I could share. A family came, mom and dad, three, four kids. On the one Sunday that they came as first-time visitors, they all got saved. Kids in different classrooms and mom and dad all accepted Christ on the same day. Wow. Independence Day, your church, which is the coolest church on earth, gave away an AR-15. We had 350 people come on what most pastors regard as a throwaway weekend, and we had six people give their lives to Christ on Independence Day weekend. Come on, somebody. This past Easter, we had three services for the first time, 11 salvations, and 424 people came to New Chapel that day. Can we give God praise for that? God is moving. The GO team has expanded so much, and we have more to expand if we're going to be able to account for everybody, but we had, we've added 50 people. That's a 72% increase over 2020. New Kids has come into its own. And if you don't know, they changed their curriculum back there, and it made all the difference. We also opened up all of those classrooms that were back there. And, and if you look at the square footage that's dedicated to adults versus what is dedicated to kids, I don't know a church that holds our ratio on how much is dedicated to the next generation. And we put so much of our budget into that to make a place for them. Let's not just share memes about it. Let's get dirty, get down, get our hands dirty, and open up these rooms for these kids. Now, we also launched our very first youth ministry here at New Chapel called Student Culture. Our first adult leader meeting had less than a dozen people there. This last Wednesday, leaders and students all together, there were 72 people in attendance, 23 first-time visitors, and seven people last Wednesday gave their lives to Christ. Come on, somebody. This year, New Chapel has grown. We've seen a 51% increase at church. We've had 24 baptisms 23 salvations in kids' church, and 14 salvations in youth altogether. The total salvations in the last 12 months, 98 salvations, people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Come on, New Chapel. God is good. Give him praise for that. That's what God is doing. And it's because you're sinking into purpose. And we haven't made the discernment in between, in between you finding your purpose and this church growing. In fact, as your pastor, I've worked and focused on growing you, not growing the church. If I grow you, you'll grow the church, and you absolutely did. Let me show it to you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The Bible says this. We hope that your faith will grow, and that is my prayer, and... Circle it, underline it, highlight it, get it tattooed on your forearm, and that our work among you will be greatly enlarged. 
God wants you to grow, and when you grow, you're going to grow your church because that's what purpose does. And my belief is because of your prayers, your giving, your serving, we've been able to take that incredible ground. Good job, and the best is yet to come. In just a couple of weeks, on December 11th, write that date down, we're going to be having what we call Kingdom Legacy Sunday. I'm going to be sharing vision for 2023. God's ministering to me incredible things, and it's all of us together. We're going to make a big difference. And so what I want to do is celebrate some of the wins we've talked about today, some that I haven't even talked about. I want to give you that vision, but also give you an opportunity to sow into the year 2023. This is our annual giving initiative. This isn't anything I'm springing on you. In fact, I always hate it when the preacher tries to do this big old emotional appeal for you to give that day. Y'all ever hate it when you're watching TBN and they're like, if you don't send your love offering in right away, we're going to have to go off the air. You know what I always think? Well, go off the air then. Because the Bible strictly forbids men of God to make people give grudgingly and of necessity. And so I don't want you to do that. Here's what I want. I want you to to decide what you're going to do. If that's one red penny, praise the Lord. I've never asked you for anything. I'm going to ask you to ask Jesus what your part to play is. But on that day, December 11th, it's going to be Kingdom Legacy for the year 2023, and we're going to be sowing in to have the right foot forward. When we gave last year, it gave us a stride moving into January, and we were able to open up those kids' classrooms. I can only imagine what this will open up for us this coming December. Say amen, somebody. All right. Before I pray, I want to put a bow on this whole series and this whole journey of Made for More. What do we do with all this vision? We have six, seven weeks left in this year, and you're making plans for 2023. And I imagined, in my holy imagination, if we were to sit down and just have coffee with each other, and if you were to express to me, Pastor Joe, I believe God has purpose for me. I believe he has purpose for our church. I'm just stuck. I don't know what it is. I'll do the homework. I'll do the thing. But I just feel stuck. I feel stalled in it all. If you told me that we were at coffee, I kind of just dreamt about what advice I would give you. And so here's what you should do next if that's you. Number one, write this down very quickly. Two points. Number one, you need to do church. That is not a simplistic answer. It's a very profound answer. Let me tell you what I mean by it. I don't mean come a couple times a month. I don't mean be here on Christmas no matter what. I mean do it. Jump in both feet. Could it be that some of the reason why you're struggling with purpose is because you have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, and and it's confusing? If your kids are waking up and asking you, hey, mom, dad, are we going to church this Sunday? I'm telling you, do church. Lean into it. What does that mean? Like Whatever we're doing, do it. Lean into what we're doing. It's an all play. Make this something that's not a question. So if, if we're offering serving opportunities, you should serve. If we're offering small groups, you should be in a small group. If we're having a special worship night, you should be at the worship night. I'm just telling you, like, do church. Lean into it. If you're a person that's struggling with this, you're a Christian, give it what it deserves and wrestle this down. We are your church, and we are called by God to bring answers for for these big topics like purpose, to help you as an individual find your purpose. But we can only work with what you give us. And if it's one foot in, one foot out, we'll do the best we can. But it'd be so much easier if you were leaning into all that God has for you. Say amen, somebody. 
Jesus died to build his church, and, and what we need to do is realize that's where he's working his purpose out in the world today. And so, engage. If you go on vacation this coming summer, Lord knows y'all want to take July off. Okay, I concede. But if you are going to take July off and you go on vacation up north, why does everybody go up north, by the way? Why don't we go down south? I don't know. Anyway, there's lakes down south of us. They're just as cool as up north. But you go to church even when you're on vacation. You eat what you're cooking. You're leaning into this thing where you're like, God's speaking to me. And I can't miss it. You need Sunday like you need oxygen. We can't be upset with the world for shutting down our church and then casually be a part of it. We've got to lean into all of this. And you'll be amazed at what God can work. He'll work purpose out in you if you truly commit. One thought with this is that you need to take God's next step for you. That's what the church is here to do is provide the next steps to show you the next steps. And here's what it looks like. Throw that slide up there, guys. Write it down. You need to take God's next step. There's a list. It's in the back of your Made for More book, by the way, but you can look through there and just see where you're at. If you're not a Christ follower today, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That's your next step. If you're saved, if you're born again, you're a Christian, but you've never been water baptized, God has great things for your life, for sure. The least of which is to get wet. If you're choking on that, I'm pining about whether or not you'll choke about this great sacrifice for a great reward that he has for you in the future. Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe it's go to the New Chapel Connect. That's where you can find out about purpose and vision, and you can join the church family, join a group, join uh, the Go team and serve, honor God with your finances, become a percentage-based giver, go to New Chapel Grow. And that's not the whole list of what God has for you. But again, if you're going to do church, if you're going to lean into this, this is the journey I'm going to take you on. And you think it's just checking it off. These seem very natural. It's deeply spiritual. It's deeply spiritual. Because what happens? Purpose starts being worked out. You start obeying God. You don't think God's not going to be able to open a door with somebody like that? What do you do with a guy that he just obeys me every time he comes around? God says, let's show him. He's ready. Take the step. But you got to figure out what your next step is. You think, well, I want new word from God. Go back to the first, last word that he gave you. Where did you leave off? Jump in on that, everybody. Second thing, I've got to move on the time that we have. What do we do next? If we were having coffee, I would say you need to plan on finding purpose. Plan on it. If you don't make a plan to do it, you're going to be in here and you're going to be like, he's right, he's right, he's right. Look, look at me, everybody. I know I'm right. <laughs> I don't need your agreement. I need your participation. Let me put it this way. Better. God doesn't need your agreement. He needs your participation. And so you're going to have to make a plan. For what? First thing I would say is plan on New Chapel Connect. So today you missed your opportunity. It's happening right now. There's people back there taking New Chapel Connect. But next week is partnership one. It's the first part of New Chapel Connect. If you don't plan on it, trust me, you won't be there. But if you make a plan, you'll go. If you tell somebody about your plan, boy, then you're socially obligated. That's the worst. There's something I hate doing. I'm going to tell everybody I'm going to do it. So I could just ruin myself for not doing it, right? New Chapel Connect is next week. You can take it during the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock. Why do we do it that way? So you can attend church on either or. Y'all are looking at me like, you've talked about New Chapel Connect. Have you been to New Chapel Connect? Just trying to help. Next thing, write it down. You need to commit to engage in groups next semester. I wish I had some application point that was starting next week, and I don't. 
But since you are making plans for 2023, since you are dreaming about it, our new small group semester starts the last week in January, a full two, three months away. And if you don't plan on being a part of it, you won't be a part of it. But so much of your growth, so much of the questions you have, they can be answered and mined out in the context of godly relationship. And of all the groups, if you're really wrestling with purpose, I would tell you to come to my group. It's called New Chapel Grow. We talk about purpose. We talk about a lot more than purpose, but New Chapel Grow would be the place that you need to be. I, I, I got to wrap this up. Pastor Joe, I don't know if I'm ever going to find my purpose. If you still feel like that after all of this, Colossians 1, the Bible says, for everything, absolutely everything, above, below, visible, invisible, in case you missed it, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Your purpose is not a mystery because it's not a mystery to God, friend. God knows and I'm praying for you. I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know the hope of his calling, to know that God has more for your life. And I'm praying that you would not give up on the journey. I pray that you wouldn't give up because you feel like you're in a desert season or you feel like you don't understand or you feel like by this age, like age to date, I thought I would be so much further, Pastor Joe. I pray that you don't let those things distract you. I pray that you lean into the goodness of God. Listen to me. God did not bring you this far to dump you. He's faithful. He knew what you would go through when he accepted you on the onset. And God Almighty will see you through. And I'm begging you, don't give up on purpose. One last scripture, and then I want to pray. Ephesians chapter 4. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Because New Chapel, you have been called by God. You, my friend, are made for more. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your spirit in this place. Thank you that you're moving in our midst. You're speaking to your kids, young and old. I thank you that you minister to them purpose and vision and direction. Some dreams that they put on a shelf, that God, those dreams are getting dusted off and placed in front of their mind's eye right now. God, you're not done with them. The gifts and callings are without repentance. They can't outrun you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd show them the steps that they need to take to see your goodness played out. God, I pray that you minister purpose, direction, and vision. And as I preach this, God, I pray that if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, that you'd help me to find them. In Jesus' name, heads bowed and eyes closed just for another minute. If you came into this room and you'd say, Pastor Joe, like, I, I feel this purpose thing, but even more than that, I need a relationship with God. Friend, the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? Lord means boss. It means that you're done being the boss, the king, the God over your own life, and you're ready to put him in control. I hear people say, well, God's in control. That's what lordship is for. Yeah, he's in control when you put him in control. Otherwise, you're out of control. But when you make him Lord over your life, the Bible says when you die, you'll have a heaven, an eternity. That relationship is strong enough to carry you through eternity. You'll avoid a Christless hell. But even more than that, 
the eternal life, the peace, and the joy that you're looking for, friend, that's found on the other end of you giving up being your own God. If you're in this place, you're ready to make that decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord over your life. Or maybe you'd say, I was a follower of God, but I haven't been, and I want to come back home. If that's you on either account, I'm not going to embarrass you, and I'm not going to call you down to the front, but I want to know that you want my prayer. So on the count of three, if that's you and you want my prayer, I want you to slip your hand up, and you can put it right back down. If that's you, you'd say, Pastor Joe, I want your prayer. One, two, three, hands up in this room. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Wow. Heads bowed, eyes closed for one more second. We're going to pray. Church, I want you to pray this loud and proud in support of the many hands that went up today. And I want you to pray this as a declaration of your faith in Jesus as well. Let's do it all together as a church. Pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Come on, New Chapel. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.